What's in your bag? My bag. What's in the bag? Yeah, what's in the bag? Unpack my bag. My friend's got a bag full of explosives. We must find the bag. I don't know what's in the bag. The bag, bitch. You want to see what's in my bag? Welcome back to the Venice Photo Club podcast. Today we have Jeremiah Davis, that one blonde kid here. Thank you for coming out, dude. What's happening? We came a long way. Stuck to be here. I can't believe we haven't done a podcast yet. You've basically got all my friends on the pod and we're sliding in at the end. I'm stoked. It is um, coinciding with the Q4 2021 drop feature article. We'll talk a little bit about it, but if you want to check out that full article on his story, check out Q4 2021 zine. You can find it at a local coffee shop. Didn't make the, didn't make online. the preview on the on the Instagram shout out, but I would who's keeping track? I think someone just told me about that, but it's in there. Dig deep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hired. It's a good article. It's a good article. It's supposed to make the previous the previous scene, but we refined it and made it better. So give it a peep. DM me if you read it because I want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Uh, we're gonna hop right into it. So. Jeremiah, what kind of bag do you use? What kind of bag? Uh, this is actually very important. It's been like a very nerding out moment and I feel like I'm just like waiting and pushing off the day that I have a, a roller case, you know, one of those like suitcase camera bags. I don't have that yet, but I'm kind of ashamed that I don't. I should just commit to it and be not cool, but save my back. I have a low pro sub thing and I'm looking at it, but uh, it's like the tactical kind of looking one. Um, wow, I'm really blanking. It's the Low Pro. I think it's called Low Pro Tactical Two or something like that. It's the second version of the of the backpack, and it's. I remember like the 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 tour manager for Tiesto had it, and he was like the tour manager, but he had like a quick little camera DSLR thing. And I was like, this is really cool and practical, and I ended up switching to it, and it has. Uh, waist straps which was the big selling point and then i fell in love with other aspects of it but that's the bag how long have you had this bag uh, i would say this is my second uh purchase of it so i reordered it i gave away my other one to hudson who works with me full time and i'm stuck you don't realize how bad your bad your bag is and old and unsupportive it is until you get a new one and you're like, oh, that's what padding on your hips or your shoulders is supposed to feel like. Um, I've had this bag for like four, I would say three years and like that bag style. And then this last one I've had for about a year. What is your favorite detail about the bag? Ooh, detail. Honestly, I'm obsessed with that geek out. I just, I got so excited thinking about all the little details of it. Uh, Waist straps. No bag matters unless you got waist straps. They're just blowing your back out if you don't. My backpack's like, it gets like 70 pounds sometimes. And it's like, can't be, can't be doing that without waist straps. So what camera is in the bag? Camera in the bag, exclusively Sony, hashtag Sony Alpha. Go get yourself a Sony, promo code 1000% off. Uh, I shoot sony and i am like a unofficial sony ambassador unofficial being i'm not on their website but i have the same perks of the sony ambassadors if not some not some of the better ones i guess it's just like a very unofficial agreement with them but i've got all sony gear i've got an a7s3 and an a7r3 and 
that's pretty much it. I did Black Magic for a while, and I ditched it after about like a year and a half, but was stoked when we had that kit. So how long have you had the Sony gear? How long have you had this camera? I'd say the art. What's crazy, I had an A7S II that I had for the longest time, but we just got rid of it. Uh, I have... I've had the R for like four years and I've had the S3 since it came out. I think I got it like the S3, like a month after it came out. But uh, yeah, the R for, I think I got the R like a year, six months after it came out or something like that. So about a couple of years, three, four years, three years. And then what do you like most about this camera? Most about the camera, um, low light. I think like it's shutter speeds. I, I predominantly shoot video. And so I like lean towards those specs more. Uh, but the R is in my bag for photos predominantly, but the S3, it definitely does not have the megapixel support. And like, I think it's like 14 megapixels. The old one used to be 12, isn't it? Do you know what it was? That's 12 and 14 or something like that. And the 12 is like 12 megapixels. You saw it on the A7S two, and you're like, this has gotta be six megapixels. There's just no way this is 12. And then 14 looks like a light and day, like nine day, like difference. And, and, uh, I kind of just for the convenience sake, I'm starting to take photos with a seven S three, which is wild. Um, it really has like this soft look because it doesn't have this crazy, uh, pixel count on it. So, um, I use, what, what was the question? What, am oh, I, what, do you, what do you like most about this camera? Oh, uh, form factor and it's like settings and specs on it mm. 4k 120 oh well would you ever sell this camera <laughs> yeah i feel like you i don't know i'm not i'm not like an emo i guess i was like that's a weird question but i could see some people holding on to cameras for the rest of their life i'm not that way i'm very much like let's sell this thing to like help fund the next one um but i will say that 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 like mindset is slowing down and i would encourage anyone who is listening who is in the rat race of buying and upgrading, buying and upgrading, realize that's the season you're in or realize the season that that needed to be in and get out of it. Like it's meant to be a season and not a lifestyle. And the people that just are like rat race trying to upgrade, it's just so dark. And I, uh, I got in that and I realized like, oh, I could like make a lot more money if I just stopped spending money on camera gear and upgrading and just like felt confident in my work to speak for itself. And once you kind of get a few under your belt, you're like, oh damn, I don't need to constantly be upgrading. So with that being said, like get the, get the camera you feel confident in and then stick with it for a few years, regardless of whether it's the hottest thing two years later. What is your favorite thing to shoot with this camera? Um, I think A7S series and camera style was like very, uh, was very, important to me because of music industry and like I, that that's how my narrative is like I came up in the music scene and I was also shooting for like smaller artists smaller artists being like the reason why I mentioned that is they don't have the production uh on on stage that other people have and so they don't aren't like uh they don't have the biggest lights or LED walls or fireworks or things like that and now I've like worked now I'm working with like the headliners who have all the bells and whistles and I remember shooting one time and I was just like, I finally like noted um, it's like super intense scenario and you're like kind of just running around and I realized like my settings and I was like, any camera can shoot this with the setting. This isn't low light anymore. Like this is just like a two foot tall, like a two story tall LED screen 
with fireworks going off and like so many strobes and stuff. I was like, this isn't low light. The second you point it back at the crowd, it's low light. So there is like a give and take, but I'm like, I is this the best camera for me? And I still think it is, but it's, uh, yeah. So going back to the question, it's like I, music for sure by far is like the most fun thing to shoot with it. Um, that or commercial work that people think should be shot on a red and then you show up with an 87S three and you crush it and then they like doubted you a little bit and then you just like deliver and it looks exactly like the same thing that they paid out the wazoo for or some Joe Schmo showed up with a red and thought they were sick and then my pride goes up, which <laughs> I like. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All the way up. So what else is in your bag? Go through everything. Um some uh some hot Cheeto crumbs. Uh definitely some sand. Love me some good sand in the camera bag. There's so many like ADD camera people that are just like cringing right now. Uh I have I uh, will start with lenses. We've got the 12 to 24 G Master F4. We've got the 16 to 35 2.8 G Master, the 24 to 70 2.8 G Master by Sony, all native Sony glass. That was a really important thing for me when I switched over from Canon, which was like way like seven years ago, eight years ago when I basically it was like my third camera. I like when I got serious about my career, I switched over to Sony. And I consider you guys to get serious about your careers and switch over to Sony too. Um, <laughs> trying to think. Uh, so yeah, being a native glass is super important. I've got the 24 to 70, and then we've got the 85 14 G Master. And then actually, the only non-native thing I have is the Sigma 35, and it's a 1-2. And... I wanted a 35 and I wanted like an artsier, like an art series lens that had just like that. It had the like thing that you paid like $200 for that like literally no one would ever notice but you. I wanted that thing and that was the 35 one too. And I use it not enough, but it's epic. And I feel like it forces me to like, forces me to like shoot differently every time I have it on. And that's usually what I'll do is throw it on for that purpose. But that's a glass. And then I'll, I'll a lot of times carry both camera bodies, which is super annoying. Um, oh, I actually, I, Sony just sent the 70 to 200. Uh, no, 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 the 100 to 400, which is what I've been asking for for four or five years now. And they finally got around to it. So shout out Sony for responding to my email four years later. Um, and yeah, two bodies. I'll usually have anywhere from like five to eight batteries. Um, it's a dark, it's a dark travel trip or production when I've only got three or four, uh, but it's been done before. And I carry a couple NDs, uh, ND filters, can't keep track of them or keep them clean. So those come and go. And I like usually like the the bag has like this it it's got this dome at the top that you can access from the outside independently, which I actually love. And so like I'll usually throw like GoPros in there or um, chargers, passports. Um, there's a laptop sleeve, so I can my laptop in there. Hard drives. Um, I always have cash in all my bags. 
literally all my bags right now, whether I've touched it in five months or not. I also am obsessed with backpacks. All my backpacks have cash in them, like $5 to $80. And it's just like tucked into the tiny little like, uh, you know, like pockets of where the water bottle would be, but not like exposed, obviously. Uh, like the waist strap will have like a tiny little like zipper pocket, like a hidden pocket. And there's like some cash in there. And it's because like cash is king, obviously. You land in the spot or travel and you just need to like buy some food or a taxi or something like that. So that's usually in there. I usually carry, oh, this is a weird, this is a weird thing actually is, uh, is I, I'll, I'll put in my bag um, seasick bands which is like the mega pro tip because no one ever plans for to be seasick. It just happens and I get seasick. And I also shoot a lot of travel stuff for other people where I don't know the full itinerary. And you're like, next thing you know, you're on a mega yacht or you're on like a tiny skipper boat in Nicaragua filming your friend surfing. And you're just like chilling there for two hours and you're getting seasick. And a lot of my trips I'm getting invited on by other teams. And imagine like being the one that was invited as a guest and then you're the one that's just like yakking over the boat. So seasick bands, just tuck it in the little corner. Also some Advil or Dayquil, just in case. Um, little uh, card readers and, oh, it's a kind of a big regret. There, there's a suitcase actually next to us right now and it's got a cliff bar in it. And I want to start doing this more, but like traveling with snacks a lot more. And I think you should have snacks in your camera bag. That and I'd say chapstick, which is a new big thing for me this year is to start taking care of my lips because they just get effed when I start traveling. So that's pretty much my bag. I kind of want to peek in there and see if there's any other weird things. But I think action cam like kit is usually in there some to some capacity. So what do you think your bag's missing? You. Um, um, what is it missing? Honestly, nothing. It needs to get reduced. Like nobody needs to be carrying that much stuff and I'm over it. Like I'm over having two cameras. I just want to have one. And I also want to like build kits. I don't, I totally have like the space in my studio to have like a closet where I like go and put my bag next to the closet. I'm like, what gear do I need for this trip? And I load up the backpack, which requires you then to pack every single time. And I feel like I'm like out grabbing my bag for a different occasion every three or four days. So I just kind of like leave everything in the bag and always bring everything. But then you're just overwhelmed with like all this gear and you're like, well, I have every lens to choose from. And I'm like, I sound so pretentious saying that, but like, I, I'm like so stoked to be able to have like such a great problem to have, but it is a problem. Like I was the kid who like spent his entire summer money and his parents saying, you will have no summer money if you buy this camera. And I was like, this will be my summer. Like I will go out and shoot for fun and that will be my fun. And like to scale and like navigate Craigslist and like love the upsell of Craigslist and the hustle of that to now having Sony send you stuff is like, the dream, but also it is like becomes an issue if you don't manage it. Um, you like having everything at your disposal definitely doesn't mean your life's easier. So uh, I think like I don't want anything else in my bag, to be honest with you. If anything, I want a great ND system that just is like very seamless, which I, I just don't think exists because you need like 
to always be swapping things and changing stuff out. And I have like very much like a run and gun shoot style, especially if I'm shooting Sony with my in-house camera kit. If I'm shooting like on cinema cameras and stuff, then we just rent and I just like have an AC that just hands me what I want and it's a great day. <laughs> oh, he's got a lot of questions. Um, you know, I skipped the last question before this one. What is your favorite non-camera body piece of equipment? slash accessory how many basic baddies set a drone on the podcast a lot i'm sure uh favorite uh, i usually hold hold a, a road mic too sometimes uh basic sorry what's my favorite non-camera piece of equipment that's in my bag it's not like a like a anything associated with the camera mm-hmm. oh we can be a lens or whatever but just non-camera body. Camera body, non-camera body. Um, it's really dumb and weird. This just came to mind. I don't know if this is my favorite, but there's like a rain fly underneath the camera that just like flops up and over, which like you never really need. But when you do, you just kind of like putting it on while you're like looking over to see who notices like the fact you have one of those and just wait for the reactions. And then when it hits, you're just like, Damn straight. <laughs> I got <laughs> Damn straight. I got this rainfly. Where's your rainfly? Um and it's hidden too. It's just so integrated into the bag. It's great. Uh my favorite thing I kind of like at the 12 to 24. If you're using the 12 to 24, you're doing something fun. Like you're in a helicopter, you're in a plane, you're in a a DJ booth. Like you're somewhere sick if you need a 12 to 24. Um so that's always a good time. Or you're just being weird and artsy, shooting on the streets like a sicko with a 12. So this is rhetorical, but do you travel with this bag? Severely. Aggressively. Chronically. Aggressively. Me and this bag and the amount of times it's thrown out my back traveling, we get after it. When you shoot for yourself, what camera are you shooting with and what subject are you shooting Oh, I don't shoot for myself. It's overrated. No. <laughs> um, shooting for yourself, what do you shoot with and what lens? And what are you shooting? Like what, what, what subject? Oh, yeah. I love shooting like people who have extreme niche talent. So if you're like a dope dancer or a painter or you like make custom candles or are an, a talented musician or whatever that's what i love shooting um now that would if you go one step further it's like an action sports space i love shooting like skate um or you know skydiving or things like that and then integrating some sort of like lifestyle street aspect to it so doesn't have to be the best skater and if it is the best skater it's like how do we show this like off skateboard presence while we also show off how talented you are and like pay tribute to that so uh we try to do we shot with Nigel Houston and that was like a big thing it was like how do we how do we integrate like your narrative it was like a campaign for movement watches and it was like how do you how do we showcase like the tagline till death in your skating and like get this raw sound bite that isn't like a scripted thing and i just like had him skate and interviewed him and just got a cool couple sound bites from him but it, it was like this cool authentic moment um 
and yeah, I think shooting with Sony is like the the move and just like super fun. Uh, I also like, I'm moving more away from it, probably just cause I'm like working with a team now a lot these days, but I, the Ronin S, like I had the, I had the prototype Ronin S and like I used it for two years, two and a half years. And it's like that thing went everywhere with me. And like, I just was always on a Ronin S and there was no setup time or anything. I just slapped it on and went. So it's probably my kit, Sony A7S III Ronin S and a 16 to 35 call it a day don't post anything on instagram because jerry's taking over the algorithm <laughs> getting this man all choked up on the podcast so what is your favorite style of photography portrait landscape street lifestyle documentary product i'd say lifestyle and commercial like the blend of the two, like when there's like a commercial campaign that wants to like celebrate a specific kind of lifestyle. Um, I love that challenge of like paying tribute to like whatever lifestyle we're trying to shoot and then integrate a product into it and make it feel real. And I think a lot of people, like that's the golden struggle of marketing. It's like, how do you force this product down people's face, but also act cool? And I'm like, you, I will be that person. I will make sure you look cool and your product is in it. See you on delivery day. If you can only use one camera for the rest of your life, what would it be? Definitely the BlackBerry 2. Do you guys remember that? I didn't actually. I didn't have the BlackBerry. I wish. Uh, Favorite camera? Or if I can only choose one camera to shoot with the rest of my life? Shoot! Um, oh, this is getting intimate. Uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, I don't know, man. Technology. I'm just like getting so much anxiety about like the next camera that's gonna drop tomorrow, and this is gonna go out, and it's gonna be marked down in history on this podcast. Man, I mean, I feel like I would just say like, like again, like I'm, I feel like I'm living my camera dream right now, like. I don't know if I would want a bigger and better camera. I also, I also have never shot with this one, but the the A one for Sony seems like the one stop shop. It's also got like the super heavy price tag associated with it, and I want it, but I'm like just totally content and fine with what I have. Although I am shooting on one camera body predominantly, but every now and then we need two cameras, so it's like for the specific project we need more camera bodies so that's why we have it but if i could sell both of them and just choose one camera to be the a1 but that's a risky thing to say i've never shot with it so it's like a light it's like getting married to someone you've never seen before what is your favorite lens honest you know what i feel like i don't have actually to just derail half of this podcast is the 2414 or like a one two i don't know if they make a one two twenty four but I like I feel like when I was like in 2017 and the social media boom and like the travel adventure video was at an all-time high of consumption the kids who went 1-4 just like hit the NOS button on everything and I was like I just remember being like I don't I don't want to have to re get my own lens like I already have dope lenses like I don't want to have to do this and then also the focus was just like such a nightmare I 
probably should have done it and my work would be like a little bit more elevated but even now i'm like it's it's hard to shoot one four in video without being like very choreographed and i feel like a lot of my work is not hyper choreographed so it doesn't blend well but i feel like the whole grass is greener on the other side i'm like oh 24 one four makes sense for everything and people have now proven that you can shoot lifestyle and in like lifestyle video campaigns and travel films and obviously it's a great portrait lens and things like that so maybe i guess 24 is not it's now become it i feel like people say it's a wide angle but it's it's not really i don't consider it a wide yeah. angle that 24 or 28 35 is like the sweet spot sweet spot yeah yeah I don't know. One lens, 24 to 70. Put me in the middle. So what is your dream camera? It could be a real camera or you can make one up. Ooh, I like this. Some people have like a dream film camera. Some people. My dream camera? Oh, wow. My dream camera, you get to... My dream camera shoots in a circle. Actually, this this totally makes sense and I'm about to blow your mind. Snapchat spectacles, you remember those? Did you ever use them and save it to your phone? When you saved it to your phone, it gave you a, a export, like a nine by 16 or 16 by nine export of a circle. And your your video was shot in a circle, almost as if like your like lens was detached or like not meant for that camera body or whatnot. And you got to choose which aspect ratio you wanted that to be in. So if you were posting it on Snapchat, and the idea for Snapchat was that you could be watching it with your phone in uh, vertical, and you could turn your phone sideways, and you would just it would just seamlessly go. And if you think if you draw a big circle and then you have your phone in it, or just put your phone on like a table, and if you spin it in a circle, that's how wide your frame would be. And imagine if that was like in the Sony. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So like imagine if you're Sony. I, I genuinely actually think this is the future because aspects ratios are the biggest headache right now for the entire industry from social media to feature films. And it's like if you could just shoot like with a Alexa Mini as a circle and figure it out later, you know, what was that platform that like... uh It kind of flopped, but it was like this massive platform that you... It was like, it was like full TV shows, but it was... There's a bunch of billboards for it. Yeah, it was massive. Is it Quibi? Quibi. Quibi was basically that. Like, But what Quibi did was instead of having a camera that could shoot in all aspects ratios, they just came out with like a way to process, you know, all these films that were shot in 8K or 6K or whatever. And they were like, oh, we'll just reformat it. And we're going to create a platform by going the extra mile to reformat this for mobile. And obviously they tried to do the original route and yada, yada, yada. But realistically, they were just like, we're going to put feature films and TV shows and shoot and, and have them capable for vertical and horizontal. They did horizontal too, I think. I'm not sure. And I mean, regardless, it's like they definitely were trying to be like the premium vertical side of it. Snapchat has done the vertical and the horizontal thing and they found a way to capture it on sunglasses. I think it's being insanely overlooked. You would have to reestablish sensors. And if you just think about like how many sensors are being shot or sorry, how many sensors are being like mass produced? If you turn that machine off now, we still have to sell a million cameras before they can like even start. You know, they have to get through rid of that old inventory to then switch to 
a circle and it would be a slow rollout. One camera would do it and it would get integrated later. But like, if I'm like black magic trying to be like the, the, the industry disruptor for like the independent filmmakers, like put out a circle sensor that can, and even if it was like hard physical buttons on your camera that you could be like, Oh, I want to shoot this in like vertical, or I want to shoot this in four or five, or I want to shoot this in whatever you could just punch it in and you knew you were getting a 4k image out of it. So it would really probably be shooting like 8k, but you knew like whatever aspect ratio you went to, it had a, it had a like compress it or, you know, reformat it. It's either you shoot in a circle or you have a sensor that can physically rotate in it. So the current present day thing, but you can actually rotate it in camera, which you got to believe like you can, you can like, you know, electronically dust off your sensor and it puffs some air through it. And you can like, what the mechanics of your shutter already moving in a certain direction, it should be able to move vertically. Anyways, that'd be crazy. I sound crazy, but when you're 40, 20 years from now, you're going to say, damn, that one black kid, he had it first. <laughs> he had it first. So dream camera is a circular sensor. What has been your favorite place to photograph? Man, I haven't been taking a lot of photos, <laughs> which has been the downfall of uh, of working uh, so much. Basically, I would say, <laughs> I would say <laughs> favorite place to take photos. There was this sick alleyway that had a pink wall in downtown LA. We had a blast shooting at. But I didn't shoot that much. I was more like directing a lot of stuff and just supervising a shoot. Out like I would say Alabama Hills or Mammoth Mountain. Like I've been having a blast with. We were in Mammoth for New Year's and we shot this like epic, like uh, the Owens River. That's not any crazy hidden secret, but we shot the Owens River and it was amazing. And I had a blast. It was great. Restrike the fire to get out there and start shooting again. Where in LA would you like to go shoot right now? What would you like to say to Joe Byron right now? That was the same. <laughs> that was the same <laughs> delivery. <laughs> Bring me to the White House. Um, I would if I could shoot anywhere in LA right now. Hmm. Uh, top of the U.S. Bank building. Psh, with a heli permit, just zipping around. Where in LA would you like to shoot next? Uh, every question you ask me, I just want to say your house. Um, where do I want to shoot next? Just in the world. I, you know, I've never, there's two places that I like, not oh, black. In LA. In LA. Where would I like to shoot next? In LA. Ooh. What's your next spot? And it's like accessible or it's just kind of like a dream list? Oh, we, we don't have barriers here. We don't have barriers? This is mostly theoretical. You know how like small, case, have you seen like the, like airplanes taking off? Uh, and like there's like a smaller airport and there's like the fence at the end of the runway that people take photos at and it's like taking off. You there That doesn't exist at LAX. Uh, and it's like this massive, like they have it cleared for like a quarter mile before you can get to the runway and you can't even like see into it because it's like up on a hill. And I just wish we could get closer and shoot from like right underneath the takeoff spot. And then... Cause there's so many like palm trees and like such epic sunsets and things like that. I'd love to shoot there. 
And I'd love to shoot at the end of the Venice Pier for a commercial production. I just want to rent out a pier. Why don't why aren't piers like publicly rented? It blows my mind. Where in California do you want to shoot next? California, dang. I feel really intimidated because I know you are the road trip god and know every bit and stretch of planet Earth, including California. Um it's very true. Um, <laughs> California, California, California. I want to say like, uh, like Big Sur, but like the spots that like you never go to in Big Sur, or like I like I feel like Big Sur is so beautiful, and I've been there ten times now, eight times. And I'd say the last three trips I've been to, I'm like, I'm just gonna go to places I've never been to before, or just go get lost and like drive down roads. And I still spend 80% of my time or 60% of my time at the places that everyone stops to and is like, I just end up feeling, and I drive away and I'm just so disappointed. I'm like, oh, you gave in to the falls, you know, or you gave in to like this, like Bixby Bridge and all that stuff. And I'm like, dang it. So I would, I would love to like go be in Big Sur for like two weeks and just go shoot like the back trails of it. Where in the United States do you want to shoot next? United States. That's a good question. I, to be honest with you, like, uh, and I've never been, but like Montana, like I want to be on like a farm with like a pilot, like a, like a Cessna pilot and big skies kind of vibe and like the summer and like kind of like indie film vibe. I also just watched hot summer nights and it's given me that vibe. And I'm just like, I want to go shoot something artsy in like a, a big field or like the interstellar like house, like go do some sort of like high fashion thing out there where it's like LA or New York high fashion shot in like Wyoming. Where are you dying to shoot next? This is outside the United States. Space? Space. That's a great point. You know what? I'm excited to go to space. Um, not... I haven't thought through how I'm going to shoot it. It's kind of overwhelming to think. For those listening, I have one of those golden tickets to go to the 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 surface area, stratosphere. Not surface area, the stratosphere. The the yeah, like the very like the the edge of the stratosphere basically. And uh atmosphere at ed- edge of the atmosphere. Is that what the stratosphere <gasps> is? I can't confirm at this time. Okay, edge of the atmosphere, that's the technical definition. Um at least that that's what I've been told. And so it's not technically space, but it's the edge and it's like right before it. And uh, we're going with worldview and it's epic and I'm going to shoot something epic. And I haven't thought through it because we're probably still like a year or two out, but I want to shoot it in like a really unique and weird way. And I know a ton of people are going up there to shoot stuff and I just like want to come out. I just like everyone, they want to come out with like a unique image and we're all going to have the same views and vantage points. And there's gonna be like eight people in the in the room and you're gonna see what other people are doing. And it's like, you could run that route of seeing what other people are doing or you can come in there with a game plan. I'll have a game plan for sure. I just hope it's different. But I'm more excited about Dubai and Iceland. They've been two spots that I told myself I would never go to unless I went with like the right people. I've been to Iceland now and I went with Rory Kramer and he is low key the goat to go to Iceland with. There's obviously like locals and stuff are like way better options, but Rory knew like a lot of cool connects. 
that he introduced me to and I'm super grateful for. And I had the wildest time in Iceland with him. And that's what I waited for. Like I waited two years. Like I could have gone, I could have just flew a trip and like gone with a couple of friends that knew nothing. And we would have gone there knowing nothing and seen some things, but that's about it. And I went with Rory who knew spots and then he knew people to show us more spots. And so we just got this like super unique experience of it all. Um, and great like connections and relationships. And I feel the same way about Dubai. Like I don't have, I don't, I've never been to Dubai. I have a ton of connects there. They just haven't like aligned yet. So Dubai is the next spot. When did you get into photography? Sophomore year of high school. I got into photography because my brother was doing video and he was making a lot of dough. And I said, how do I get in on this? And I knew how to like, not just like piggyback and like bandwagon. I also knew I would like never be as good as him. And so I was like, I'll get a DSLR, shoot photo. You'll shoot video on DSLR and we'll call it cool. I ended up going to like the most talented photographer in our high school. And I just like walked up to him cold. And I was just like, yo, you, like you're the best photographer here. I was like, I want to learn from you. If I was like, I have money to buy a camera. Will you like sit down with me for 30 minutes and just tell me which camera I should be buying and I'll do it. And then after that, I'd love for you to like teach me things. And I went and that's how it actually all worked out. It's crazy. What was his name? Keenan. Shout out Keenan. Keenan Gilson. What was the first camera you ever used? A Canon 20D. Get at me. <laughs> I feel like I like wanted like the premium, like the D series. That was like the real bot, like metal body and everything. But then there was like the T... The T, with the T three I hadn't T3. come out. It was right before oh, the T three I came wow. out. That was like the next year, right? And that those were like plastic bodies and not like durable. And the D series, there was like the, the there was like the OG one D. There were the, which was super expensive and things like that. I think I spent I think I spent six hundred bucks on the body on Craigslist used, and it had like a ton of shutter clicks. The shutter count was massive, but. I got that. It had like a two inch display screen that like you couldn't see in the sun, which is sick. And I had like a thrifty 50 lens and like a really bad F4 lens. And I try to learn how to take photos at night soccer games, which was just so hard and impossible to do. Did someone in your family take photos growing up? Not one. Is photography a profession or a hobby for you? <laughs> it is a profession photography oh uh yeah i mean yeah it's a profession i would say it's like a striving profession like there's oh, when i say photography like i'm also interviewing like non-photographers like motion design like like uh, video graphic designers it's really just whatever your medium is with the camera got it got it got it yes totally professional the most professional actually if you were to hire me i'd be the biggest professional you've ever interacted with <laughs> it's, a, it's a professional pursuit for sure yeah for sure what role does photography play for you in your life? Passion, therapy, expression, creative outlet, perception, storytelling, memories. What was the first part? Uh, what role does photography play for you in Got your it. life? I think like past like the, the op, like it's obviously like a way to make money for me. It's a way to like, to like showcase like my style. I think it's like a way for me to feel like I'm doing something different. And I think it's really important. Like I feel like the classic millennial thing is like, I want to be making an impact or I like want to be different than my parents. And like, there's like this epic feeling I get when it's a Friday night and I know everyone in my like circle is out partying or at an event or out doing something. And I'm just like cooking up a heater video 
And I'm just like, this is so sick. And like being by myself and like, because I think that's like the ultimate confident, like confident moment or display of confidence of like, I'm, I would rather be nowhere. Like I would, I wouldn't rather be at the party or anything. I'd rather just like focus on this and crush it. And that's just like a, you know, a way for me to like display or at least for me to feel like I'm doing something different. Um, and there's other times where you're like in that scenario where everyone's out and you're editing and you're like, this is not cool. <laughs> this is a very average project or you got notes back from someone and they're like, make it boring or, and you're just like, oh, this is brutal. And that's when I close my laptop and I go out. <laughs> <laughs> How has photography changed for you since COVID? All right, so I work with the team and basically like we put whoever should be on the project to lead the project. And my role a lot of the time is to take care of like A-list artist campaigns or their projects specifically, you know, the bigger clients, um, the ones that are more, um, you know, you need to have more like intuition or insight or personal experience with like action sports. So like if I'm directing like a skydive camp, like I did one for Wix.com, like the website builder, and they wanted to do like a skydive fashion show. And it's like, I should do that because I understand skydiving so much more. And what happened during the pandemic was everyone's uh everyone's marketing budgets went away right so the campaigns became less of like hey we've got some money to like build our brand like let's put out a video piece like let's put out a lot of videos that just make us look cool and like educate people on like what we stand for right it's like the secondary thing versus like let's make a video showing people how much this costs this costs 19.99 and let's shove 19.99 down people's throats it's like like all the fun brand building projects went away and that's what i focused on and enjoyed to do and kind of like worked my ass off so i had the luxury to work on stuff i really enjoyed and then the extra stuff was like pushed off to the team and i would support them and build the creative and build like what made sense and and would see the final product. And then we always did like a, a 20 to 30% pass to make it feel like it was like not so on the nose of 1999, but it felt like there was more to it. But the pandemic hit, everything turned to like, instead of this brand building, it turned to like ROI focused. And like the best way to track an ROI is just shoving down stats and, uh, you know, value propositions down people's throats. So educating your consumer on, your product um that's from the commercial side so like projects moved like very uh commercially and less cool and authentic and um so like i so to answer the question like i wasn't involved i wasn't shooting that much like i kind of was like i i had the luxury to have other people to do them and i supported them so i kind of became like a glorified producer over the pandemic like i just wasn't uh, you know, I was editing twenty about twenty percent of the amount I normally would. I was, you know, on like doing so much more client conversations, and it was just like so, you know, such a slow process because people just needed to get sign offs from ten times the amount of people, and uh, and then from the music side, music just became safe, right? It was like let's do live, like you know, live streams, and let's do this, this, and then it just everyone became smart, like hey, this is our fourth live stream, and we now know 
we can get a live stream done for X amount and we're not going to spend a dollar more or we don't need it to, it like live streams are not cool. No matter what way you spin it and how much money you spend, it's not cool. So we're just going to shoot in our living room and you're going to shoot a live stream and we're not going to care. And so I turned down like 15 or 20 music industry projects in 2020 and 2021 because they just weren't cool. And they didn't care if they were cool. And I was like, all right, tight. Like, I'm not about it. Like, your song's average and <laughs> and this isn't. You, like, this isn't creative. And, like, why would I go and make that for a quick buck? Um, especially when I'm working with, like, artists that, you know, are watching me and trying to see me evolve with them and deliver on a higher scale. So, it's like, why would I go make something that doesn't prove that point? Big thing to bite off, though. Easier said than done. What are some personal projects you're working on? The classic NFT grind has been a real thing. I've been working on that for six months now. Um, not six months. What's uh, an NFT for non? NFT is a non-fungible token, which means nothing to you if you don't know what an NFT is. But uh, basically, there's a thousand ways of describing it. Go YouTube it watch it, educate yourself. But a non-fungible token is going to be a way or an NFT is going to be a way for you to actually have ownership in what I'm making. Um, and right away, I'm not like, if someone told me that I was listening to a podcast, I'm like, why do I want to own what you make? You're just like a, it's like the guy, reason why you don't want to own the guys are on the boardwalk, you know, like unless it's crazy cool. I think what I'm going to make is crazy cool, but beyond that, it's going to be in collaboration with like A-list artists that I've worked with in the music industry. It's going to have the support of them. It's going to be with other photographers and videographers and tastemakers in the space that you may know or you don't, but you're like, you, you're like, damn, I'm really glad I stumbled across this because this person is like super niche and talented, similar to like finding that song that nobody knows about. And it's like, that's what this is going to be. So a lot much bigger, way bigger than just like my own art, but uh, the, the vessel to display everyone's art that I'm collaborating with will be my artwork and my piece. It's epic. It's, it's yeah, I'm hyped. Yeah. Um, what else am I working on? Uh, NFT. We've got a can't. We've got the chain smokers are back online. I don't know when this is launching. When is this launching? In a week? Uh, yeah, probably this week. So I can, I can say it, but like chain smokers are now teasing uh, their comeback. They're coming back at the end of the month, and it's gonna be lit. So we're doing a three song live performance in uh, New York City, and then we're also doing a three song live performance in Los Angeles. These are like home performance live sessions that are like in controlled studio spaces. Um, so no live audience, like live capture basically is how you communicate it, but they're not live streamed. They're not in front of live audiences. They're more of like artistic pieces that you can like integrate uh, other creative elements in. And the location we have in New York is absurd. We're the first people to shoot an actual video production into it. Similar to when we shot at the vessel in New York, it's like the same kind of format. Like we have exclusive access to a, crazy venue that you typically can't unless you're the chain smokers and it's blocked off for us for two days and it's gonna be fire so that's been a headache but also amazing we're hyped for it and um got a tour in in april with them and uh i'm also working on a cool like sea vlog on like the personal side that's just like 
not a part of my deliverables as a sea dew ambassador, but we just went on the most wild trip and uh it's like a lot more raw with some cool montages for sure, but it's intended to be like longer format, a little bit more long uh raw and, and long winded. That's pretty much it though. If money were not a factor, what would you photograph? Shoo. I would just take selfies. I feel like we all need to take more selfies. Now, um uh 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 more more if money wasn't an op or money wasn't a thing a factor i feel like if money wasn't a factor like the only way in reality if money wasn't a factor that means you're just rolling in it right let's just be real like i'm not gonna go to the fairy tale land of like if planet earth did not have a currency but if if i was just rolling in it and i just never had to work a day in my life i would just be approaching all these like a-listers so much more which i could totally do now but I would just come in so much cockier and uh, and just be like, yo, you don't, and it's like, it it would work. It's like, it's like lyrical lemonade. Like, like uh, Cole Bennett is a, is a genius. He went to all these artists and was like, I'll shoot you a free music video. I'm just going to post something. It's going to live on my YouTube. And I, I get all the stream revenue, which meant nothing back in the day. And now it mean it's, he's going to sell that for, he's going to sell that for $500 million. Like it's, it's wild. And it, that's a music video director that just went out and shot free music videos, posted it on his YouTube and owned that right to with artists that he thought were going to pop. And most of those artists did pop. And then you were like an artist that were like, if I could just get on this channel, I'm going to pop. So he's kind of created his own music label. So it's like, I think if I just like went to these artists and was like, yo, I don't, I literally do not need to get paid. Um, the tricky part with that is like you work with other people that need to get paid. So if I had endless money to just go out of pocket, I would just go shoot stuff for free for A-listers and put it into my own IP, like a YouTube channel or X, Y, and Z. So if you're a wealthy guy or girl out there that wants to fund me just working for free for other people, let's run it. (laughs) (laughs) How do you use your Instagram? Personal portfolio platform? It was personal at first, and there was this big defining moment where I was in college, and I was like, my Instagram is going to be strictly professional, and I started another account uh, that's personal, and I was like, I'm going to post personal stuff and friends and family over here and, like, daily happenings, and then I'm going to have, like, my commercial work. And it's weird because my my That One Blonde Kid account is still, like, very much tapped into, like, my personal life, so you see, like, very dumb things of me eating and personal things but like my girlfriend and my mom and my nephews and like my car and like you know my friends who don't care about Instagram that I hang out with every day basically it's like those people those posts are on a a personal account and I use my that one blonde kid one is like a personal brand side of things in commercial work what is one thing you love about Instagram (sighs) nothing (laughs) <laughs> I love the community aspect of it. Like, like we can crap on it all we want, but like at the end of the day, I've met some of the coolest people from Instagram and like some of my closest friends and just people who come from different walks of life that might not even like live to, uh, you know, how I would want to live my life, but just being able to like learn from them and see how they do that is like so enlightening and, and refreshing to be around. Honestly, I, I feel like I have to be around people that, aren't similar to me or live like me to feel like I'm actually experiencing life, I guess. So yeah, Instagram allows that. Like if you actually give it the time of day and 
and and try to meet people off of it like you're gonna meet some really rad people what is one thing you hate about instagram i'm just trying to pivot i'm trying to focus on the top three and which one i hate the most i'll give you two things one i hate like the the short answer is the algorithm but like the political play it has to like instagram has to work you know it's a business now it has to work where it didn't start that way right it's like instagram started when like money wasn't an op like money wasn't a factor and now instagram there's a lot of money that plays in the factor and so your art is not and this you know like your posting and your interaction in your community is you know like a total afterthought of that so that sucks especially being like not a crazy early adopter, but someone who like really cared and like invested into it when it was not the cool thing to do to see that like get left behind sucks. And, uh, I think just like the, the amount of users, like if you just trimmed like 40% of the 30% of the users, like an age cap or how much you actually, like if you don't log on to Instagram once in two weeks, just, you you're not about it and like i don't get me wrong there's so so many health benefits to not be on instagram like if you just took a two-week break but like that means that 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 you're not photography or videography is not your passion and not sustainable for your life then so get off the platform but that'll never happen so and that's also like a harsh like anti-community thing but it's just like my mom and grandmother being on instagram should not be a thing you know like that's literally what that's like the product offering of facebook and you take that to like the bajillionth degree and that exists on the platform, which just screws everything. So that's what I hate about Instagram. What are some of your favorite IG accounts you follow? At director Kurt for his, uh, what I call the sad boy edits has some heaters in there. He's got the most epic sound bites of all time that I actually, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to take that style of like sound bites from all these different like films and documentaries or whatever and actually integrate that somehow into a piece of content I'm going to do for the chain smokers. So I don't know what that looks like yet, but I want to do it. I think any Instagram account that is like trying really hard under a thousand followers, under 5,000 followers. If you're like trying and you have like consistency and you're under 5,000 followers, I just follow those people. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is tight. And like, People are just pulling inspiration from everybody at this point. Like, you know, and even like real, that's my strategy with reels. I try to find sounds and audios that are like from people that are like posting every day on reels and they're finding these like German vibey tracks and you're just like, whoa, this is crazy. I've got like 4,000 followers and you're like, dope, no one has this. So, yeah. What are some other accounts you like? Um, That's a good question. I'm going to glance, I'm going to take a peek. Oh, yeah. To be honest with you, I try to like, I'm very much the biggest consumer of version of myself right now as far as Instagram, but I try to stay away from it as much as possible. I want to say one, but it's kind of where I get all my like hidden stuff from, which I don't want to share. I'm trying to think other Carl, crazy photographer. He's probably been like the most popping photographer person like, and what else? Trying to like, like, kind of like the like the film curated feeds, you know, the ones that are like film grain or it's like grain on thirty five or whatever. It's like all these like 
it feels like it's like a Tumblr mood board, but less like basic chick and more like you, you, we've all seen like the the like epic car that like it's like an old 80s car that's like in the ocean and it's like half floating in and out of the water like everyone thinks they're super artsy when they post that but it's been done a thousand times at this point but it's like those pages that are posting that it's like if you actually look at all the other stuff they're posting it's like really sick like curated photos that have this like vintage look that very much fits the hot summer nights what is your favorite non-ig social media dude tiktok is crack it's wild <laughs> It's so crazy. Okay. I literally am like, do not open that. You will be up for another three hours, Jeremiah. It's, it's wild. I like it for that. It's, I think, I yeah, I'd say TikTok. It's the most entertaining thing right now on planet Earth. Like, it's what our parents thought Funniest Home Videos was. They just, like, loved that. And it was, like, so innovative. You go on TikTok, it just hits way different. If your TikTok feed also sucks, it's because you're just watching dumb stuff. If there's, if you watch like, it's just the algorithm. It's a really smart algorithm. At first, when you first get it, they they do the like 16-year-old dancing. And all, you, all it takes is like you just swiping past the 16-year-old 15 times. But if you don't have the strength to do that, then your whole feed is just going to be like McJanko's dancing. Because they think you like dancing. And... If you watch the like comedian do his whole bit, they're gonna start feeding you all this like comedy stuff. So, anyways, my TikTok feed is fire. (laughs) Do you post content on other social media? I, I, you know what's crazy is my biggest platform is TikTok. I have like four hundred fifty thousand followers, and I haven't posted in six months. I had like a, I had a couple videos pop, but it was all skydive related, and so everyone on that platform thinks I'm like some. They just want to see me do something extreme and like the next biggest stunt. And like, I don't want to protect myself. I literally don't want to go down that rat race. Cause I know I'd love to go down that, that route. Like I would love to like try to ante myself, like just one up myself with stunts and skydive stuff. And I just like, know that's how Jeremiah Davis dies. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and it's all fueled by like social media and views. And so like, I don't, I just kind of like pumped the brakes and I was like, all right, I want to educate my followers and like, let them know. I think my next post back, I'm going to delete everything and just be like, if you're seeing this, that means you follow me. And if you don't know who I am or what I stand for, please unfollow me. That's what this purely this video is for. And then I'll start peppering like, Hey, I'm Jeremiah Davis this is who I am. It's where I came from, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I imagine it'll be like a bit of reverse psychology, like more people will follow, but they'll be curious to like actually learn about me. But there'll also be like a massive fall off. Like I, ho- I hope I lose 40,000 followers. A hundred thousand, I would rather lose a hundred thousand followers. I'm just like, all right, great. This guy doesn't skydive. Like you follow me because you saw this video. If you want to learn about me, keep keep following. If you want to just continue to see me skydive, like that's not what this channel is. You're like, I'm just like that annoying guy in your feed now. So just unfollow me. I'm helping you out. That's what I'm going to do. And one of my favorite things is that sports network highlight of you uh, flying off of a hot air balloon. Yeah. And the sports network guy was like, what What was he doing that for? And the other guy's like, for the gram. Anything for the gram. <laughs> yeah, they're like, anything kids are doing for the gram these days. Just whack. What is your greatest strength as a photographer? Hitting that shutter button. Um, <laughs> just like this, like click, 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 clack, click, clack, clack. Just like that. That's my strength. <laughs> uh, as a photographer, I think. 
Or is it like your role? Like yeah. Director? I think like my uh, ability to like visualize the final product in the moment. Like I know when I'm shooting, I'm like, oh, this is how this is all going to go down when I get to the editing bay kind of thing. Um, I can do that more in video than photo, but uh, yeah, I think that's my, that's my superpower. Um, what is your greatest weakness as a photographer? Um, I feel like I come from this like run and gun spray and pray mentality and got crazy good at it. Like if you just threw me into a hundred person set right now to shoot something like a 60 second spot, I could do it. But it's not to devalue the fact that if you just had proper preparation and like really thought through shots, it would come out better. And so I feel like I've had such great success with run and gun that I don't plan enough and I'm getting better at that, but it's, uh, it's definitely a downfall. What is one piece of advice you have for your younger self as a photographer? I think like when I was in high school, I wish I would like collaborated more and conceptualize more. Like I was conceptualizing, but I was like, I'm going to take a photo of a daisy through a glass and it's going to be, it's going to look weird. You know, like that wasn't like collaborating with anyone. I wish I would have went to like the cute girls in school and been like, yo, like go shoot portraits and like in the total professional way and then go to like skateboarders and be like, I want to shoot portraits of you guys and like not even of you skating. Like I just want to shoot portraits and like done a portrait series of all these people at your school or like get other people involved, I guess. And I think like I figured that out in, uh, in college when I started focusing on social media a lot more or less photography, I started like, you know, reaching out to people and DMing people early on. And that was like a huge part of my success. But early, early on, like even learning, it's like, just go collaborate with people and don't collaborate with people you aspire to be or other photographers like collaborate with other people in different fields. So like find a, a dancer and be like, yo, like let me come shoot this and just do it for free. What is one piece of advice you have for a new photographer? Photographer? I mean, I'd say the same thing. Like that was me as a new photographer and I wish I'm very like stoked on what I, how my journey and like the route I, I ran, but just collaborating. It's key. Where do you see yourself in three years specifically with photography? I think f specifically with photography, I want to shoot a ton more photos. Like I'm shooting photo and video. I think video wise, I'm doing a lot bigger scale commercial directing, a lot bigger uh, like creative directing in the music industry around their video, uh, you know, campaigns or music videos or things like that. And then um, I'd love to do a documentary and I'd love to like really like you know exercise my ability to shoot like really like like develop my photography style like people like i feel like i have a video style that took me five years to establish someone asked like what kind of photos does jeremiah take you're just like oh he just like shoots cool action things but it's not like very well defined so i would love to in three years i'll have that defined where do you see yourself in 10 years specifically with photography 10 years shooting my family photo with my little nugget of a kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on a self-timer. Yeah, bango. Um, that's a great question. I, ha I have zero clue, and I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> if you could time travel and bring back photographs with you, where and when would you go? Wow. 
This is such a you question. Only you wish you can go back in time and just see these. <laughs> Past or future and bring those photos back. Man, I would love to see the photos. Like lifestyle, daily living, candid, candid photos, but also like the artistic ones from like Mars when people are living on it. And it's just like, you know, like the vintage Mars photos. Because like, you know, when we go to Mars, all the photos it's ever taken are going to get sent back and that'll all be documented. But I want, I want like the disposable film that was like taken like off record that no one knew was even out there in Mars and that he like snuck it into his bag. And it's like, yeah, I had a film roll and I snapped this. And it's like, the debauchery that was really going on that couldn't <laughs> be communicated to earth. Yeah. <laughs> I want like the blurry photo of like someone taking a hit of a joint or something <laughs> on Mars or like, or like, you know, like the vibey like shot of like watering, you know, instead of watering the plants and like, we're re you being resourceful. It's like, they're like spraying it up in the air and kind of like posing to the camera and being like, yeah, which is like the dumbest thing you could probably ever do on planet on Mars, which is why I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> Using life-saving resources for <laughs> for fun, which is what we do on planet Earth. Every day. <laughs> That's what we do now. Yeah. Consume. What is the most exciting thing about the future of photography technology? Gear, AI, speed, storage, AR, VR. Faster hard drives. On oh, you know what? Actually, it's a real I'm just gonna come out and say it. I think like I had I had this super I had like two days of frustration where I was like, why doesn't just like Google Gmail just know what I want to say to this, or why doesn't my editor just know? Like I can in my head, it is insanely clear. Like I could, I could walk through. Like I feel like I could audio message what I want a movie to look like after seeing all the media, and then if you watch it at the end, it's exactly what I said. And it's like, I'm so frustrated that like technology, like I can't just like think that into existence. And I'm like, oh yeah, Elon and Neuralink. And I was like, first I'm like, I'm like, I'd say I'm fairly on the conservative side of like lifestyle and living compared to the average like LA person and creative. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do Neuralink. Like I don't want to have a chip in my wrist. I don't like, I lean on that side of things. But I was like, I would do Neuralink. You know, <laughs> like, like, if I could just think things, and I ran into somebody who didn't say like, I wish there was Neuralink, but he was just like, don't you, aren't you just ever frustrated that like you can't just like think this stuff and it happens because it's so basic. It's like sending an email or sending this, but it like takes that like human touch, obviously. So that's what I'm excited. And it's in a sense, if it wasn't in you like a chip or something like that, you could have like an AI assistant who just gets to know you over time. Ooh. Like an AI have you seen the movie editor. Her? Side. Yes. Oh, so weird. It's so good. Maybe we rewatch that. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to tell the listeners? Good morning, Venice. Nom. Uh, come to the club and help out. This is a club. This, you know what? Actually, this is real. I feel like I've been able to see the Venice Photo Club come about from conception of just being like, hey, this is like a cool idea. And then becoming like what it is today, which is like, incredible and it's got an incredible future but a club is a club and i think like at some point the club has to run the club versus one or two people behind the scenes making it happen and so like if you're listening to this podcast like buy the zine support the zine if you're 
in the area, like come by and hang out and meet people because that's what gives like the Venice Photo Club its like special powers and then and the space is like having a community and then uh and like supporting the people in the community. So whether it's like, you know, a co- the, the coffee sponsor or the beer sponsor or, you know, the art on the wall, like I think people come by and they like get comfortable versus realizing like, oh, I can buy this yeah. off the wall. Let me buy this because I thought it was cool. You know, like just because no one else is doing it doesn't mean you shouldn't. So support it, be about it. And uh, yeah, I think we take it for granted. Like no other place, ha- you know, like like Venice is Venice for a reason and like we get comfortable with it. But in reality, it's like we have a clubhouse in an alleyway it's somewhere in venice beach that like is supporting creatives and like you can show up and hang out with cool like-minded people and it's like that doesn't really exist that many other places and if it does it's not as casual and cool so yeah take advantage of it and support it and get involved if the listeners were to follow you what can they expect a whole lot of screaming i used to scream more (laughs) on my story i used to scream way more on my story and it's it's like so many people are like fans of my scream, which is the weirdest thing. But no, I, I think like I, I skydive, I do like a lot of fun personal stuff, but then I also work my butt off. And like, I don't have like, like I don't keep track of days most of the time. Like I really don't know what day it is. It's because like, if I need to work and get this project done, great, I'm going to go do it. And they're like, oh, it's a Sunday. And I usually find out what day it is. Cause I'm asking someone to do something on like an off time or hour. And they're just like, yo, I don't live in that world. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, like, so I'm like skydiving on a Monday and then I'm like on set Monday night, you know, and then working till two in the morning. And then I'm like between, you know, like I'm on set for, until two in the morning and then I'm like editing from two to six in the morning and I'm like loopy in my editing den and just like posting on my story. And then you see this like official commercial come out on my feed and it's like very professional and it's like, Jeremiah for Adidas, you know, that one blonde kid for Adidas or something like that. And it's like this blend of being professional and also the true version of myself. Hop on over, give it a click. It's free. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's the new line everyone's saying on YouTube. (laughs) It's free. (laughs) What can people hire you right now for? I've been on a sarcastic role, but I'll skip this one. I would say like creative development, strategy. A lot of people are like, what is that? Basically, I'll create your idea and then make it make sense to spend money on and then prove why it makes sense after the fact. Uh, Actually, before the fact. Um, And then uh, actually like the actual content capture, like going out and shooting it, full production service of like hiring the models, getting the permits for the locations. Um, We're going to do something with Red Bull that's going to take us nine months to shoot and we're going to pull 20 permits that literally no one listening to this will ever be able to pull (laughs) because it's just only Red Bull could do it. And in reality, we're doing it and then we're we're taking it 90% of the way and then Red Bull lawyers will get on the call and just like sign, be like, yep, this is is what we want to do and sign off on the permit. So we have like a lot of cool connections in that space and um, the post-production of it all. So we've done TV spots and everything and everything from social and digital to tv national campaigns if you were to collaborate with one person right now who would it be 
you know, there's some crazy time-lapse, like hyperlapse guys, like out in Europe and stuff that are wild that I'd love to just, and their stuff is just so cringe and cheesy and just like HDR. But I'm like, dang, if I could just come in and make them like 20% cooler, like they would do so much of the heavy lifting. I would just like be like the creative director and like, hey, we're not going to color this with saturation on 75%. I feel like, <laughs> feel like we could, we could, we could really create something special. So, I mean, <laughs> I think, I think I'm going to keep talking. So he has to keep his laugh in, in the podcast. But, uh, I think I think like those guys I would love to work with um I would love to work with like the fat like some like of the fashion guys out in Tokyo that are shooting like the fashion industry out in Tokyo cuz there's just such rich street culture and there's a lot it's a melt like Tokyo is a melting pot for like foreigners in the in the modeling space like I would never want to shoot anything in the modeling space in America ever but like the people out in Tokyo are like, yeah, like LA was weird and fake. Or I was like, I was never going to be considered and I was never going to be considered. And I was like, I'm going to go to Tokyo and make a name for myself. And now they're like an A or B lister and doing really well for themselves and shooting dope campaigns. And I would love to work with them. They just seem a lot more like real and get it and sacrifice a lot to pursue their passion versus like someone who's just like, I don't want to be here. If you could hire someone right now, what would their role be? You would be my Neuralink. <laughs> I would say nothing to you and you would do everything I think. And you'd get fired if you misinterpreted anything. Apply now, swipe up. I need I need like really good creatives that can like, I can be like, hey, we're doing a hundred Facebook ads for this client. I need you to like build them out, but you, you are, so you're like a part creative, but then you're a part designer that can like design a pitch deck. And like, when I mean design a pitch deck, I mean like you're a 40% of what like a actually traditionally trained person is. You're not like a traditionally trained person who's doing crazy design. I just need you to make a dope keynote and like have the confidence to come in and like pitch this to the brand. Be like, yo, this is fire. Like if you're going to spend any money, it's this. And I will back you up in every single meeting and go out and shoot it. I would hope you could build something cool. And I'm just like, boom, I want to shoot that. Good idea. And it hits the brand thing. So if you can do that, contact the Venice Photo Club by breaking or burning down their front door and leave a note that says, I want the job. And you're hired. <laughs> you're hired. All right, last question. Tell us a tall tale about an imaginary dream job. A tall tale? Tall tale. A tall tale about an imaginary dream job. There's a lot to unpack there in that. Based in reality or totally made up in fantasy? Of a dream job? Wow. With your circular sensor. With my circular sensor. <laughs> All right, boom. I see what you did there. It's genius. <laughs> um, we're going to basically, we're going to start out in like a 10-foot barrel in Hawaii. And it's like a GoPro shot. I'm just filming myself. And it's just like, dang, this is crazy. How does this look like it's shot on cinema? It's because it is shot on cinema, but I'm surfing a 10-foot wave holding a cinema camera as a selfie cam. We go from vertical to horizontal because we're shoot shooting on a circular sensor. You have to rotate your phone to keep up with the video so it's interactive at home. Everyone watching you thinks you're an idiot because you're moving your phone left and right trying to keep up with the video. 
I'm going to then teleport to the mountains. And I'm with my boy Jimmy Chin. And we're just slaying some fresh tracks on skis. Avalanche pops. We now are like the main characters of the documentary. My cinema camera is nowhere to be found. We're just seeing it through a heli. And we escape an avalanche. And then it moves into this documentary side of things where like me and like Travis Rice and all these iconic legends are just like kicking around the campfire. We wake up for sunrise. And then the viewers are now realizing like, oh, this is like a teleporting vlog where Jeremiah is like a shooter editor and also talent. And then we base jump in the morning. We wingsuit. There might be some VR integration where for the viewer to get involved. And then I don't know how it ends. I'm still working on that part, but it's kind of like a inception kind of vibe. You know, it just keeps getting crazier and crazier, but I'm sure people are listening that have never met me or heard about me. think I'm absolutely insane, but welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremiah, thank you for coming out, man. Yes, sir. It's really great to talk to you. Last thing, the, the zine, the, the, the feature, give people some, some insider tips on the story or does it not come fresh in mind because we did record it a while ago yeah we did touch on a lot of points your background on transition during covid Um, that's true but it was written by megan armstrong she's a legend she's a legend shout out megan and excited to write the next one on the next chapter man epic see you